Chapter 13 Return I kept returning to Cedric's injuries. Sword fights and arrows being shot at people simply didn't happen on Earth. Knife and gunfights. But even those occurrences were rare. Even if murders and injuries that happened in the United States could be attributed to a gun as a weapon, as a percentage of deaths and injuries, those instances were small. And in the rural areas where I grew up and lived, they never occurred. Emotionally, I knew Cedric wasn't a child and could take care of himself, make his own decisions. He had reached ascension and was ranked a squire, higher than the commoner rank of Gil and Rill. But even if he was twice my age, the squire label was messing with my preconceptions of who and what he was capable of. Pages and squires in my world were children being trained in the way of battle, and children had no business having arrows shot into their chests. Rill interrupted my musing by detailing the loot he had gathered. Sir, each person was wearing a trinket that has been melted into slag. I think it may have been what they used to cast their illusion spells. The Gorgon did have an array medallion, probably what they used to place a portal lock on the area. With that deactivated, we should be able to open a portal to return to Talum. There were some miscellaneous coins, all seely denominations, totaling less than a hundred gold. I didn't find any clues, documents, or orders that would identify who among the seely may have been helping them. But I did notice something interesting on the weapons. If you look closely, you will see that the maker's mark has not been removed. Every one of these weapons was crafted and enchanted, by a blacksmith Dar's shop. On its own, that doesn't really tell us much, other than the Keep's personal blacksmiths. He is probably the most prestigious weapon maker in the Fife. His wares are highly sought out by nobles and higher-ranked fighters. Perhaps if we bring these weapons to his shop and allow him to examine and identify them, he may have records or remember who bought them. I think... He may even be required to keep these records for audit and tax purposes. I spent a few moments examining each of the weapons. Even the bows had Dar's maker mark, or what I assumed was his mark. A blacksmith hammer striking an anvil with sparks being generated. I found the mark interesting in that it had a 3D effect and could be animated. If you didn't concentrate on the signet, it was simply part of the weapon but by applying even the slightest perception, the maker's mark became that much more. And the mark responded and recognized the perception skill, allowing for movement and animation. The hammer struck the anvil, sparks were generated, and flew haphazardly as a result. It looked like items that were well-crafted by Grandmaster Craftsmen came with their own form of advertisement. What really interested me was that even the bows and arrows Weapons that would be more suited to a Fletcher or Bowyer had the same mark. Blacksmith Dar works with all weapon types, including bows? I asked. His shop is multi-tiered. He has flaws dedicated to melee weapons, ranged weapons, armor, and accessories, Rill answered. These items were probably made by an apprentice or journeyman craftsman. 
blacksmith door himself only creates items on commission and his prices are truly exorbitant. Would the blacksmith track those sales for items he didn't create himself? I wondered. Probably. With even more detailed information, certainly who made what, when, and the quality of the item, Rill replied. It wouldn't pay for him or his shop to sell or distribute shoddy weaponry with his maker's mark affixed. Cedric, I said decisively, split the gold among the three of you. Look over the weapons and choose any that suit you and are better than what you have. Gather the rest and when we return, seek out Blacksmith Dar and see what you can find out from him. After you've questioned him, keep one bow and sword so that we can demonstrate the truth of our story to Lord Kel. The rest? Sell them and split the proceeds with Gil and Rill. As for the array and melted trinkets, I keep those. Maybe it's possible to track and identify the magic signature that was used in creating those items. Gil and Rill seemed surprised I was willing to share the loot. I'd noticed the looks of jealousy and envy they'd given Cedric after he pledged his loyalty. I didn't know their story. Maybe they were already pledged to Lord Kel? Maybe as guardsmen, they weren't allowed to pledge. Or maybe it had something to do with their rank. At the moment, I didn't really care about their envy or motivation. I didn't trust them. Their vanishing act may have been tactically sound, but it had left Cedric and me on the front line, and I didn't like the expediency of sacrificing our safety based on strategies that I wasn't aware of. But I saw no reason not to reward their efforts. Maybe by seeding a portion of loot, they may be more amenable to me and my interests. My lord, are you sure? Cedric asked. That is a month's wages in just loose coin for each of us. The weapons will fetch at least another hundred gold. The gold is the least I can offer, I assured him. Our lives are worth much more than a few coins. Placing the destroyed items I'd chosen to keep in my ring, I gave the clearing another going over, looking to see if there was anything we'd missed. I'm sure there were things I could do with magic, a way to search for clues, but I was too new to this world. I didn't know what abilities I could call on. Plus, the evidence and corpses had all been absorbed by Danu and the Summerlands. There really wasn't anything left for us to do here. I wonder who might have opened a portal for this murder attempt, I asked aloud. It's not only that someone opened a portal to kidnap you, your highness, but that individuals that are members of the Olympian faction were actually able to use the portal, Cedric said. He's right, Gil responded. System has strict rules about who and how people can enter and exit the Summerlands. Exactly. Cedric agreed. The Summerlands have been ceded to the sea by treaty and convention. All other pantheons are denied access. No individual may break this proscription. System will not allow it. Those that try find that the portals collapse and the bodies of those that would make the trip are vaporised, destroyed on the molecular level. How are they getting here then? I mused. There have been rumours, Gil suggested, that system has been compromised, that experience, quests, 
and rewards are no longer always appropriate. Those are just ghost stories, Cedric said, refuting Rell's claim. I don't think so, he responded. One or two rumours may be, but the instance of people reporting system errors or irregularities has grown. Social media and forums have exploded as more and more people of all ranks report these discrepancies. Carrot, I asked, do you know anything about this? The same rumours and reports that Rill mentioned, but I believe they may be correct, especially when you examine our own situation. What do you mean? S-Prime seemed to rush you through the creation process at the end, almost as if it wanted to make sure you couldn't change your mind and our memories. We weren't supposed to remember the encounter with S-Prime, the creation process, how karmic balance works, or that there are multiple universes. That's true. And our memories, I said, reminding him that S-Prime had warned me. My memories of my past life would be dreamlike, something that was vague and tenuous at best. Yes, our memories have improved. I have knowledge that I never had in my previous life, and I can access your past life memories, as if they were stored eidetically. So, not only do we have to worry about Dom and his schemes, Zeus and his response, and the normal political intrigue that is associated with my rank, I also need to worry about system corruption? I asked, outlining the discussion I'd had with Carrot. The three of them glanced at each other uneasily, obviously worried, and afraid that my conclusions may be correct. Just great, I complained. Carrot, do we each have to open a portal to Talum, or will all of us be able to use the same one? I wondered. You can open a group portal for all of you. It's the only way to make sure you all return to the same place and time. If everyone opens their own portal, it's hard to tell when you might end up. When? I asked, confused. Why is time affected by portals? Magic opens and controls portals, but they obey some of the rules of physics that you are familiar with. You should think of them as temporary wormholes. The further you need to travel, the larger the need for time and space to be warped. Summerlands is another dimension. It is unique because it intersects with all multiverses, all universes, and all times. So traveling here will almost always skew time. We may return to find we've been gone seconds, days, or months. There are records of Seely visiting the Summerlands and not returning to Talum for thousands of years. For them, only a few weeks had passed. It's how the myths about mortals from Earth being tricked by the sea and who are forced to live forever in Underhill began. Strangely, eating the food or water Summerland offers does seem to increase the time disparity. I suppose that only makes sense. There have to be universal laws that magic adheres to. Okay then, I'll open a portal for all of us. Thanks for warning me, Carrot. I think it's time to go, I informed Cedric, Gil, and Rill. Hopefully we haven't been gone too long. It might be better to be armed when we travel through the portal. There's no telling what or who may be waiting for us or our kidnappers when we return, Rill suggested. Each of us drew our weapons, and I activated Belaros Aura, sending out a pulse of energy that enveloped the four of us. Gathering my will and channeling my magic, 
a task that was becoming easier and easier, I cast the spell to open our way back. The portal I summoned manifested as a black vortex, so devoid of light that it actually appeared to pull the light from the surrounding area into it. It was nothing like the transportation that had brought us here. That was a matter of flickering between here and there before we stabilized and transitioned with our arrival in the Summerlands. This was different. Maybe the portals were constructs that took form and function based on the individual's understanding and conception of what a portal should be. I was now biased to think of a wormhole, so my portal constructs were going to take that shape. Gesturing to the three to proceed, they stepped smoothly into the tunnel I had created and through. There was no drag or change to my magic as they transitioned. My will was required to maintain the portal, but it didn't seem like it mattered what or how much went through the opening. Quickly following the others, I entered the portal. There was no sense of movement, time, or distance. I was simply here, then there. Exactly in the same room we'd been in when this entire ordeal had begun. As the portal closed behind me, the room, which at first had appeared empty, burst into activity. Sprites, Boggen, we folk. A veritable army of the smallest, most benign sea began shouting and running from the room. I glanced at Cedric in confusion, not sure what was going on, or why there had been so many people hiding in the room. I'm not sure, Cedric said, answering my unvoiced question. It would make sense for there to be one or two people here, to monitor and report back to Lord Kell, but this many? Let me explain then, Major Domo Tully said as he entered the room flanked by dozens of guards. Your sudden and unwilling departure six weeks ago managed to catch the attention of every royal in the Seely faction, as well as the unseely monarchs. To have a prince of the sea, even a newly ascended prince that was formerly just a commoner, taken from what should have been a secure location, had repercussions. Not only that, but to have to deal with not one but two murder plots in the space of a single day resulted in a loss of trust in Lord Kell's abilities to protect those within his fife. His reputation has been seriously damaged by these incidents. Factions, sycophants, and third and fourth sons and daughters of established houses have flocked to the area in hopes of rescuing you, joining your court when you form one, or taking advantage of the political turmoil to score points against Duke Aduin for placing such trust in Lord Kell. There has been a steady stream of people hoping to take advantage of the situation. Lord Kell has been forced to accommodate these individuals, so when they expressed a desire to have their own staff monitor this room for activity, he agreed. As more people demanded the opportunity to patrol these rooms, some accommodations even from those that fostered ill will towards Lord Kell was required. Only those see that could hide and are small, as well as being inconspicuous, were allowed to enter into the room itself. All others are stationed in the passages and hallways throughout the palace. 
it has been a headache that has destroyed all security protocols or any hopes of maintaining a schedule and order. I wonder how the news of what happened here managed to get out, I mused. I doubt Lord Kelv would be so irresponsible as to broadcast events. And why would people believe that I plan on forming a court? Carrot? Any rank individual above the knight rank, irrespective of land or property, may form a working court. The term may be confusing for you. Don't think of a court as those political constructs that European monarchs or Chinese dynasties created. Here a working court would be comparable to the office staff of a Fortune 500 company. Intelligent and talented individuals that work for and with a CEO. The court's function is supportive in nature. They are advisors and counsellors that work to expedite the rank's goals. The major difference is that here, you have the ability to ensure loyalty and trust to a certain degree. Oaths, vassals and retainers can be bound and constrained by system. Forming a working court, getting some guards that were completely devoted to me, might not be such a bad idea. If I can find people that are trustworthy and talented. World Quest, Prince Mac de Belleros has chosen to establish a functioning court. He needs trusted and talented individuals. Approach Prince de Belleros and be considered for a position. Note, all those accepted will be required to pledge fealty and loyalty. What the hell? I can generate quests? World Quests. How am I going to choose who to accept? How long will this quest last? This world just keeps getting more complicated. Although it did make a strange kind of sense, if stats and leveling existed, there had to be a way to award quests, rewards, and experience. I had a feeling the 102,000 gold I had on hand was not going to last long. I wasn't sure how many guards I would hire, but certain positions did need to be filled if I was going to set up my court. Based on what little I had experienced since I'd reincarnated, a seneschal or major domo to help me understand the political landscape would be required. A treasurer and logistics operative to handle monies and purchase supplies. A guard commander to hire, train, equip, and structure any troops I acquired. And miscellaneous staff for daily quality of life chores, like cooking and cleaning. I also needed to find a new place to live. It seemed obvious that putting my trust in Lord Kell to protect me was foolish. He hadn't been able to protect me from his son. I was insane to believe that with Thom dealt with, the threat was neutralized. Plus, Thom's faction was at the top of my list for conspirators that were participating in the Olympian conspiracy. And it seemed that Lord Kell had his hands busy trying to keep from being deposed. He should have little time to deal with or address my concerns. It might be best if I made a complete break now. I wondered what a prince did to earn money. I had no lands or estates, so taxes weren't an option. Cedric, I said, deciding to delegate. Before investigating that matter, we discussed in the Summerlands, search the area for a suitable place for us to set up base. Somewhere defensible. A manor, a cave, a tent on a hilltop. I don't care what you find as long as we have exclusive ownership of the area for as long as we are camped there. And it's defensible. Once you've found a place, let me know, and we'll buy the gear we need. 
New quest. You have offered Cedric a quest to seek suitable lodgings. Cedric has accepted your quest. It seems now that my actions have generated a quest once, I would be able to do so again. I wondered how much experience and what rewards the system was offering for successfully completing these quests. Or was I supposed to come up with a reward? For now, I said, directing the rest of my response to Major Domo Tully. Is there a room I can use for the moment to meet with those individuals that have gathered and wish to meet with me? My lord, the Major Domo exclaimed, worry evident in his voice. You can't seriously be considering leaving the protection of the Ambassador Palace. From my experience, the protection afforded here is subpar and questionable. If I'm going to have to deal with these continuing and escalating attempts on my life, then I will, at the very least, control location and opportunity. But the insult to Lord Kell, he began. From what you've mentioned, his inability to protect me has already sullied his reputation. I think it best that we remove ourselves and make plain that his responsibility to protect me has been terminated. I'm sure he would appreciate not being forced to defend me when he appears to be dealing with a power struggle amongst his enemies. We will decamp as soon as possible. If Lord Kell has any questions about my decision, feel free to have him discuss it with me. I continued, ending the discussion and any further objections he may have. Now, if you would all excuse me, I'd like to shower and destroy these garments. The smell of blood is nauseating. Grandmaster Parsifal should have had time to complete my commission, I asked. Yes, your highness, Tully replied. He would like to discuss the heretic device he found and created for you. It seems there was a historical Belarus crest that you were entitled to claim. The garments have been placed in a bag of holding and stored in the wardrobe, Tully explained as he moved to open the wardrobe and remove the bag he had mentioned. We will leave you to freshen up, your highness, Tully said, as he bowed and motioned for those gathered to clear the room. Bows from those gathered was quickly followed by a closed door, as everyone, including Cedric, Gill, and Rill, vacated the room. The silence was stifling, I discovered. I was alone with my thoughts now, and forced to confront the fact that I had just killed. I didn't know if they had families, hopes and dreams, and in the moment, and heat of battle, I didn't care. My survival was paramount at that moment. But I came from a civilization that espoused peace, that punished murder and killing, and that delivered sermons on compassion and turning the other cheek. The vomiting and dry heaves took considerably longer to subside this time than they had when I'd accidentally killed Thom's guards.